0: reading this morning will be from Second Chronicles chapter seven, verses twelve through sixteen. I'll be reading from the pew Bible, starting on page five hundred. Second Chronicles seven, twelve through sixteen. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, "I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for, for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there, and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people." If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house and my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually.
1: Bear with me. First, there is a maroon Nissan Murano in the lower parking lot, which is located behind us here, whose lights are on. And so you may want to uh, run out and check on that so that you can get home today before the zombies attack or whatever is coming. A maroon Nissan Murano in the lower parking lot. With that being said, I want to remind you of how we're going to track attendance today. We're not using the cards. We ask you to go on your phone or later on your computer and log into or go to the website go to the watch live page and there will be a form on that page you can fill out to track attendance yes we understand people can cheat we ask that you be Christians and don't (laughs) but please make sure you fill out your attendance and right now if you want to put your phone and do that go right ahead for those of you online we ask that you do it as well Um, with that being said we also have uh, uh, worship assignments that might get complicated in the next few weeks If you are not going to be able to attend worship service and you are scheduled to participate in some form or another whether it's serving communion, saying a prayer, reading scripture or whatnot, please go onto the Ministry Scheduler Pro app, MSP app and request a sub. We understand that as these events unfold that that some of you may need to stay home, may not be able to serve, but please request a sub through that app so that we're aware of that need before we arrive and we can do our best to fill it as time goes on. Also, If you were not contacted on Friday via email, phone call, or text message regarding the change of schedule, please let me or one of the other ministers or staff personnel know. We found out that some had emails that went to the spam folder, and they thought they were not contacted. We found some that have not set up their member profile yet, and I don't know why. We've been after you for a year. And so you don't have contact preferences. So we we need you to go online and fill out that information so that you will be contacted in the future. If you have not been contacted, let me know after services. And I'm making a list, compiling a list so that we know those who didn't get contacted. Because obviously, we have to disseminate a lot of information right now. This is the first real test of this system. And it's very important that we... Uh, get the information to the people that are part of this body. So please, please let me know if you are unable to, to be contacted or were not contacted, either by email, phone call, or text message. And finally, if you're having some issues, if there's some difficulties you're facing during this time, if, if, you're, if you're not well, if you need some help getting some things for your home, please contact your care group leader. Please let your care group leader know. And, and, and they'll make sure to contact the leadership in some fashion. We, we want to take care of each other. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we don't know what the days ahead are going to bring toward us. We want to help each other. If you encounter difficulty, if you encounter a situation where you need help, contact your care group leader, and we can get that information to the elders, to the ministers, and to the rest of the body to help out. So please, please, please use that avenue. If you don't know who your care group leader is, if you don't know who your care group is, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. Go to the website. Guess what? We have those on the website. Go to the website, the members page, and you can find out who your care group leader is. Actually, shame on them if they haven't made sure you know that they're your, your care group leader. Anyway, that's beside the point. I have no joke today. To intro, you know why? There's no good coronavirus joke yet. I'm just kidding. That was supposed to be my joke. It failed. It flopped so that one won't be used again. But let's be honest. In the past week, our world has been turned upside down. I remember being here for for, uh, our our midweek Bible study on Wednesday and uh, fully aware of this coronavirus thing, fully aware that people have contracted it, fully aware that there have been deaths in the United States. And then I went home Wednesday night and when I woke up Thursday, everything was different. All of a sudden, air travel to Europe is being uh, eliminated. All of a sudden, the NBA is suspending, if not canceling, its entire season. All of a sudden, March Madness is going to be played without fans there, and then ultimately not played at all. In the span of one week, really in the span of a few hours, the whole world changed for us, didn't it? And as we sit here today, we, we look, <laughs> we've been able to see things unfold since Wednesday in particular. We, we've been able to see how... The situation we are facing is unprecedented. Now, don't get me wrong. We've experienced uh, aspects of this kind of crisis before. Most of us have gone to the grocery store and witnessed empty shelves, either as the result of a pending natural disaster or weather phenomenon or, or because of a, a product recall or something like that. We've, we've seen that before. And some of us have experienced interruptions to mass transportation, whether it was the grounding of air travel when 9-11 happened or... A workforce strike that negatively affected transportation. Some of us have experienced the cancellation of sporting events. It may have been due to a natural disaster, a a terrorist attack, or a player's strike. Some of us have experienced school closures due to weather or unpredictable circumstances. The difference is that I don't think anyone in here has ever experienced the conglomeration of all these issues at one time. We're living in unprecedented times. What's happening in our society as a result of this novel coronavirus outbreak is it's going to create opportunities because it's been unprecedented. For some political activists, it will create the opportunity to blame, attack, and denounce their rivals. For some conspiracy theorists, it will create the opportunity to advance their beliefs about the involvement of governments or agencies or corporations that created this situation. For some religious zealots, it will create the opportunity to predict the end of the world based on erroneous interpretations of Scripture. For some complainers, it will simply create the opportunity to criticize the handling of this situation by various individuals and institutions. Today, I want us to consider the unique opportunity that the coronavirus situation can create for us as Christians. And to aid us in this study... I want us to go back to the Old Testament, and I want us to look at an event that unfolded there that we call the 10 plagues. Now, I'm not comparing the coronavirus outbreak to a plague. I was drawn to this event in Scripture simply because the lives of those who experienced the 10 plagues was upended, much like ours is today. Let me give you a brief overview of the 10 plagues. You are likely familiar with the whole series of events that unfolded then, what we have is a situation where God's people were living in Egypt. They arrived in Egypt back when Joseph was second in command, and life was good. Life was prosperous. They were well cared for in Egypt while Joseph was alive, but eventually a leader of Egypt, a pharaoh, came along who didn't remember Joseph, who didn't know Joseph. And he turned the the Israelites into a workforce. He made them slaves in his country. And life was no longer good. Life took a turn for the worse. They cried out to God in misery over what they were experiencing, and God heard their cries, God listened, and God responded. He recruited this guy named Moses, and he was prepared to take Moses to Egypt, to rescue his people. And Moses was going to Egypt Empowered by God to bring on this series of plagues which were going to be utilized to convince Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. You're probably familiar with that story. It's the, probably the most well-known story in all of the Old Testament, especially from the perspective of the Jewish people. But what's so fascinating to me as I look at the 10 plagues, as I look at that series of events, is that through that series of events, there's a series of opportunities that expose themselves. And I think it's the same opportunities that expose themselves for you and I today as we deal with this unique situation. The first of those opportunities is this. Our situation creates an opportunity for our faith to be tested. Now, that doesn't sound very positive, does it? In fact, it sounds a lot more problematic than it does positive. Because we understand that tests of faith are never easy. They aren't designed that way. They come with their fair share of disappointments, pain, and suffering. But we have to remember that faith tests are intentionally designed to be productive. As we studied a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday night in the life of Abraham, he went through a faith test. And we noted a couple things about such tests. We noted that tests will prove the authenticity of our faith. James made that declaration in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, when he said that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness, and if we let steadfastness have its full effect, we will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I'm sorry, I quoted the wrong passage there. I should have been quoting 1 Peter. But let's just keep going. So faith has the potential for proving the authenticity of our faith. That's what Peter said. He said that in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, even though it perishes when tested by fire, it may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Tests have the ability to prove the authenticity of our faith, but they also have the ability to contribute to the maturation of our faith. That's what James was saying when he said, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So tests are beneficial. They can prove the authenticity of our faith, and they can contribute to the maturation of our faith. So they are beneficial, and that's why both Peter and James calls on us to rejoice over them, because they have a benefit. Now I want you to think about the, exod- uh, think about the ten plagues and the events surrounding the Exodus. I want you to notice what happened immediately after Moses' recruitment by God. Go to Exodus chapter 4 and look at the end of that chapter. Exodus chapter 4, at the end of the chapter. We're told there in Exodus chapter 4, verse 29 through 31, that Moses traveled to Egypt with his brother Aaron, and the first people they talked to about God's plan were the ones God intended to rescue. They arrived down in Egypt, and they assembled the children of Israel and they communicate with them God's plan. The first people they talk to are the ones that God intends to save. Now look at how the Israelites responded in verse 31. We're told that the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads in worship. Their first response was to believe and to worship God. But then the circumstances changed. Moses and Aaron, in the next chapter, they presented God's request to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh refused to let the Israelites leave, and he was so infuriated by their request that he made life even more miserable for them. This, in turn, caused the Israelites to turn on Moses and Aaron. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 9 says that they stopped listening to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. This is not a simple reference to ignoring Moses. This is a reference to the cessation of belief. You see, the terminology of not listening to Moses, that's the same terminology used to describe Pharaoh's attitude toward God in Exodus chapter 7 and verse 4, or chapter 7 and verse 13, verse 22, or chapter 8 and verse 19. Time and time again, Pharaoh, this guy who doesn't believe in God, is frequently depicted as not listening to Moses, and that's the terminology that's used about the Israelites. In the span of these two chapters, from chapter 4 to chapter 6, the Israelites are believing and worshiping God, and then times get difficult. Their workload increases, and all of a sudden they stop listening to Moses. That's the equivalent of stop believing Moses. And as, his, as God's spokesman, that means they stopped believing God's message. So when times got tough, the Israelites' faith got tested. And the vast majority of them initially failed the test. We're facing a situation right now that will test our faith. We may face multiple days, even weeks, of disruption to normalcy. We may face the loss of some of our comforts and conveniences. Some of us may even face financial or psychological or medical hardships as a result of these circumstances. And in the end, one of two things will happen to our faith. It will either grow or it will fail. And it's up to you and I right now to decide which way it's going to go. It's up to us right now. As as we gather today, whether online or in person, and we worship God, we have to make the decision right now, are we going to increase our faith through these events, or are we going to let our faith fail? Because right now, things haven't gotten that tough. Right now, the difficulties really haven't mounted. Right now, it's still in the easy zone to believe. But it's possible that a day will come when it won't be so easy. And so we need to make the decision right now which way our faith is going to go. Scripture declares that such tests of our faith are for our benefit, either for authenticating our faith or maturing our faith, and we should be able to rejoice when those things happen. Right now, decide whether or not you're going to allow what happens next to cause you to rejoice. Decide right now whether or not what happens next is going to increase your faith or cost you your faith. Many went this past week and prepared themselves for what could happen. For some reason, everybody thinks toilet paper is a necessity right now. If there's one good reason to come to church, it's because we've got toilet paper in the bathrooms. And many of you probably did the same thing. You went and stocked up some food just in case. I went to a couple of grocery stores over the past few days. Of course, the bread aisle is empty. Many of you have seen posts about all the meat that's been taken. The thing that really saddened me is to see how quickly diapers went when there are parents who are definitely going to need those. And how quickly medicine went. because there's going to be people who need that medicine that can't get to it. But what was happening is people were going to the store to prepare themselves for what comes next. So there are many people out there prepared right now for not being able to go get food. But are they prepared for the challenge the days might bring to their faith? That's why we've got to decide now. Deciding now how we're going to handle this spiritually is just as important as how we're going to handle it physically. And we've got to do the preparation now before it gets too hard. That's one opportunity that this situation creates for us. But another opportunity that this situation prevents for us is an opportunity for God to be glorified. I want you to notice something that plays out in Scripture with the ten plagues. See, in Egypt, God's not glorified. When Moses first arrived in Egypt and approached Pharaoh with the request to let the Israelites go so that they could worship God, Pharaoh responded with this in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 2. He said, "'Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go?' I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Egypt, like many other societies in ancient times, was not monotheistic. They were polytheistic, meaning they believed in multiple gods. So when Moses approached with this request, the one true God was unknown in Egypt. The one true God was not glorified in Egypt. And as a result, every one of the ten plagues targeted a specific Egyptian deity. Let me give you a couple of examples. The very first plague resulted in the water of the Nile being turned into blood. It targeted an Egyptian deity named Apai. Apai was a, a water and fertility god responsible for the annual flooding of the Nile River And so the turning of the Nile River into blood proved that Yahweh is greater than Hapai. The eighth plague resulted in the destruction of crops by locusts. It targeted an Egyptian deity known as Osiris. Osiris was the god of agriculture. And so when those crops were destroyed, it proved that Yahweh is greater than Osiris. The ninth plague resulted in three days of darkness. There was an Egyptian god called Ra. He was the god of the sun and often was considered the king of Egyptian deities. When the sun went dark, it proved that Yahweh is greater than Ra. And if you study all these plagues, you'll find out that every one of them targeted one or two different deities in the Egyptian culture. And by the end of that tenth plague, God showed the Egyptians that everything they worshipped was inferior to Him. Therefore, He alone is to be glorified. As this situation escalates the gods of this world are going to be exposed as fakes the god-called money is exposed as the stock market drops and as businesses face financial difficulties the god-called entertainment is exposed as sporting events are canceled as movie releases are delayed as theme parks are closed the God called education is exposed as institutions of learning are temporarily closing their doors or scrambling to find alternative means of education. The God called vacation is exposed as traveling becomes complicated, as resort destinations are closing, and as cruises are canceled. The God called work is exposed as many will have to change or adjust their work hours, work from home, or go without work for a while. The God called busyness is exposed, as extracurricular activities are canceled. And as the so-called gods of this world are toppled by this crisis, the opportunity presents itself for us to declare like Moses that there is no one like the Lord our God. Last week I introduced a new sermon series that obviously I'm delaying at this time series is called Living on Purpose. And Lord willing we will resume that study next week, but in that introductory lesson we learned that the ultimate purpose of us is to bring glory to God. Think about 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, which says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That verse is saying that no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're facing, no matter what's coming, your ultimate purpose is to glorify God. And right now, right now as the world is seeing that everything it worships is, is decaying, is deteriorating in some fashion, right now as we live in a society where everything that is praised and everything that is held up as important is facing a, a crisis, One is not facing a crisis, and that is the one who created this world in the first place. And that is the one who's in control right now. That is the one who's to be glorified. And we have the opportunity to use this situation to bring him glory in some fashion. And that brings us to our third opportunity that I want to mention today. And that's the opportunity for Christians to shine. One interesting detail about the ten plagues that is often overlooked is that the Israelites were not initially immune to the plagues. Scripture indicates that when the Nile River was turned to blood, when the frogs invaded homes, and when the gnats filled the skies, the Israelites suffered alongside the Egyptians. See, it's not until the fourth plague that God begins separating the Israelites from the Egyptians in regards to the plagues. If you look at Exodus chapter 8, and verse 22, Before announcing the plague of flies, God declared that he was going to set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there. From that fourth plague on, the Israelites were set apart. They were different. And according to Exodus 8, and verse 22, the reason the Israelites were set apart was so that Pharaoh would know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Now, here's the thing. We're not guaranteed immunity from coronavirus because we're Christians. But we are set apart. Our term church comes from the Greek term eklesia. ekklesia. Ecclesia is not technically a religious term. It's just a Greek term that refers to a gathering or an assembly. And and so throughout Scripture, we are are referred to as an assembly, a gathering of people. One thing that's interesting about the term ekklesia is it looks like it's a compound word. It looks like it's taking two Greek words, meshing them together to, to develop this word for gathering or assembly. Whether or not that's actually what's happening is debated. But the two terms that it appears like it's made out of, are a preposition called ek, which means out of, or away from. And the other word is kaleo. It's a verb, and it means to call. And so the Greek term from which we get the word uh, church, the Greek term that means an assembly or a gathering, it looks like a compound of two words that could mean something like those who have been called out to assemble. If such is the meaning of this world, this word, then, then from what have we been called out? We've been called out from this world. God has set us, the church, apart from the world. And that means we're supposed to be different. Think about verses like Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Or James chapter 1 and verse 27. It says that pure and undefiled religion includes keeping oneself unstained from the world. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, Peter instructs us to live our lives as strangers here in reverent fear. See, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be separated, in a sense. And I want to tell you four ways we as Christians can shine in, in this situation, how we can distinguish ourselves as set apart in this situation. First, we can be calm. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7 that God did not give us a spirit of fear but of power and love and self-control. We can shine right now by not panicking. We can shine right now by not acting like the rest of the world who is terrified of what tomorrow holds. We can shine by remaining calm. It's not a time to panic. And you know why? Because we know who's ultimately in control. And you know why else? because we know what awaits those who are in Christ. We don't have a reason to panic. Let's empower that spirit of power. And let's cast off that spirit of timidity. Let's remain calm and shine through our calmness. Another way we can shine during this situation is we can be submissive. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 instructs us to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. We can shine by the way we respond to the request of our government at this time. Instead of complaining and attacking our leaders, let's cooperate with their requests because ultimately, their objective is to protect the people. The reason there are all these closures is to, what, what's the terminology they use? To flatten the curve? To decrease the amount of illnesses that come about as a result of this virus because one thing that they are thinking of that we're not is that we don't have enough hospital beds for everybody. One thing our government's thinking of that not all of us think of all the time is that we don't have a healthcare system that can deal with everybody getting this virus. And guess what? There are still people that need cancer treatments. There are still people that are going to have heart attacks and strokes and need emergency care. There are still surgeries that need to happen to protect people's lives. And there are still kids out there who are ill and need treatment. We can't forget why our government is asking these things of us. But what we can do is support them in this situation. And we can shine by being people who are subject to governing authorities because we know all authority comes from God first. One other thing to notice from that passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, where we are called on to be subject to every human institution. In verse 15, Peter tells us why. He says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Well, guess what? There's a lot of foolishness out there right now. Let's be people that silence that. We can do that by being submissive, but we can also shine by being helpful. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 says, As we have opportunity, there's that word we're focused on today, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We can shine by helping others. We can shine by practicing benevolence. We can shine by doing good works at a time when selfishness is rampant when the natural response of many is to focus on me. We can shine right now by being concerned about we, by being helpful, benevolent, by doing good works. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, that that's the goal of lights, to do good works so that God might be glorified. And one final thing. We can shine by being prayerful. Jay read a moment ago from 2 Chronicles chapter 7. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, God made a promise to Solomon and the nation of Israel after the temple was consecrated. Here's what he said. He said, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and heal their land. We need to remember that we are the agents who can consult the Creator to cure His creation. We cannot expect unbelievers to do that. That's our job. And so right now, in the midst of this crisis, we are the ones who can go on behalf of not only ourselves and our families and our church and our community, but the world, and seek the Creator to help us through such a difficult time. This statement in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 came at the, the, the dedication of the temple. Well, guess what? There's not a physical temple like that anymore. Do you know what the temple is today? It's you and I. So let's act like it. And let's go to God and let's pray on behalf of this whole world and this whole crisis and seek His blessings during this time. Let's be the ones who consult the Creator to cure His creation. There are opportunities that this coronavirus pandemic is going to create for us. And the Bible repeatedly indicates that that we're going to encounter opportunities that we should not miss. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and, sec- 15 and 16, Paul said, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Today I'm challenging us to view the opportunities, and I'm certain there are more than I've pointed out today, but to view this situation's opportunities and to seize them. I'm reminded of the 1995 film Apollo 13. It dramatically tells the story of of how the Apollo 13 crew was brought back to earth after some devastating things happened on board their Uh, their, their, their ship. There's a scene in that movie in which actor Ed Harris, who's portraying Gene Krantz, the flight director, he overhears people saying that this could be the worst disaster NASA has ever experienced. And Ed Harris responded, as Gene Krantz, by saying, with all due respect, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. If we as Christians will step up to the plate, and seize the opportunities that our current crisis is presenting, then this can be our finest hour. and might just be the opportunity some needed to know God. I challenge you today to seize the opportunity. And it may be that right now, as we're assembled today, not knowing how assemblies will be affected in the future, it might be that right now, Is the opportunity you need to seize. Maybe right now, as as Lyle prayed earlier, you're more concerned about the disease of sin, as we all should be, because that's a disease that has eternal consequences. Maybe you need to rid yourself of that disease today by confessing your faith that Jesus Christ is the risen Son of God, by repenting of your sins and by being immersed in water for the forgiveness of those sins maybe today, that that's where you need to start. That's the crisis you need to deal with right now. That opportunity is available. It may be that you have dealt with that by by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It may be that that has been addressed by you. But your life is not being lived to the glory of God. You're not shining as a light for him. But well, the opportunity to correct yourself today is here. You may need the prayers of this congregation. You may want to study the Bible. You may just need some encouragement right now. But whatever your need is, we have an opportunity here today to address that need. And we invite you to come if you need to. Altogether, we stand and sing. Uh. You are hard that's